Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want to Do What with Dan and Julie. Today we've got Nick Butter on, who is an endurance athlete. Hi, Nick. Hello, thank you very much for having me on. Our pleasure. Well, one of four today. You've already done three other podcasts, right? <laughs> I know. Absolute yeah, glutton um, for punishment. Not like that every day, um, but this week particularly has been a bit busy. I've been backlogged with uh, trying to get on with other bits and pieces, but um, I, I really enjoy doing these these chats actually. So yeah, looking forward to it. Great stuff. Um, do you want to tell everyone a little bit about what you actually get up to, Nick? Um, yes. So my name is Nick and I am addicted to running, I suppose I can start with. Um, no, I, I'm a runner and I suppose I'm best known for being the first person to run a marathon in every country in the world. Um, I have run 828 marathons and nearly 100 ultra marathons and just over 45,000 miles in my life. So I would say kind of class myself as a passionate jogger, um, but <laughs> by no means am I actually particularly good at running, I suppose. Famously, my my uh, my middle school headmaster in my PE report wrote, Nick is not a natural runner. Um, <laughs> and by that point, I'd already done a lot of running. So I think I think it's true to say that I love running um, and there's a lot of better runners out there. But uh, I kind of I run because I love it. Um, I think a lot of other people can run and try and make it a, a professional career by getting quick. Um, but I'm more about running further, making things difficult for myself and, and doing running challenges that, that nobody is doing, um, doing lots of world firsts and and uh, yeah, trying to break some of those little boundaries, I suppose. So it wasn't just two fingers up to your old headmaster saying, nah, actually, you know, I'll be the, a world record holder in multiple different running aspects. It was it was that is that as well. If you're listening, Mr. <laughs> Benson. Um, no, I'm uh, I'm actually on good terms with him. He's seen me seen me talk about my escapade a few times and uh, He's mentioned in my book as well as somebody that that actually didn't get it wrong. He was probably very right. I'm, I'm probably put more effort in. That's kind of the story of my life. Put a lot of effort in and uh, and get get reasonable results. So you said by that point you'd actually already done quite a lot of running. So had you been running from a very young age, doing cross country and things like that? Yeah, yeah, you're spot on. So cross country I always loved. Everybody else hated it because it's always in kind of stormy, wintry, cold season. Um, but I was always absolutely crap at football. Um, and me too. So I, Junior, I was you were rubbish at football, weren't you? Were yeah, you the goalpost, <laughs> though. Was it that bad? Yeah, we, I was go well. We play rugby, but we were obviously had to play football at, at school at PE, and we were both goalkeepers, weren't we? Yeah, and I definitely can't run either. So. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, I, I played a little bit of rugby at school, but I was always the winger because I could take the ball and run. But um, <laughs> as soon as as soon as anyone got close to me, I would either drop it or run away. <laughs> um pretty much sums me up actually no contact please no i um uh yeah rubbish at that but no i, I did do a lot of cross country um i i guess I, I sport was um an outlet for potentially the the strongest side of school for me i guess because because running and sport meant that i could kind of bury myself into something that i was pretty good at and sometimes better than others at where academically I was probably average at best and I was strongly dyslexic at school um, and I found stuff hard like that. And then it turns out that actually that doesn't really matter and you can you can kind of find your own path and stuff. So running was definitely a, a really positive thing in my life, much more so than I realised at the time. How did it sort of escalate to where you are now, though? Because obviously you must have a little bit of running at school, then probably decided to do a marathon. But 
going from doing a marathon to where you are now is a is a lot probably yeah i suppose you just keep doing it and just keep running <laughs> i think i think the answer is um my i suppose in a nutshell my background was do a bit of running at school kind of then run my decent distances when i was about 11 years old and then usual upbringing relatively relatively privileged upbringing really and then i went into i was a under 19s uh, british skier um which was my passion i absolutely love skiing and i was always out in the mountains which is actually where i am now um and so that was you know i, I set myself some sort of like kind of goals in life on on olympics i wanted to be an olympic skier and obviously being british that comes with some drawbacks um, <laughs> no snow or, or mountains being two quite big obstacles um and then obviously you've got all of the other aspects of you know the funding to do that and then you've got to be very on your game very early on and i was pretty good but but actually not quite good enough and also i had the voice of my parents on my shoulders telling me to get a real job and to <laughs> earn some money and to stop being a ski bum basically which they would never say that but that was the strong in strong impression i got so i then i then kind of made a career in in banking actually i went into finance um which was great for earning money uh and great for learning the benefits of working hard not just hard but very hard um and then I used running as an outlet to offset some of that stress, um, anxiety, worry, pressure, um, and also on, in a sheer physical term, just being outdoors. Um, and so running then quickly escalated and I got better at it, entered a few races and did, did very well unexpectedly. And then that then compounded the, the, compassion, the, the, the passion for running and then that then compounded it even further um, and then I started to have opportunities to run for some brands and some sponsors that I then had to turn down because I was working um, and so I think as I'm sure you know especially on your podcast kind of careers often don't happen by I would say more often than not don't happen by I'm going to do this when I'm older it's more of a let's mosey on through life and see where things take me so um, this is where yeah, it I'd say probably 90% of the guests we've had on have, have said the exact same thing that, you know, they just, they almost tried different things and, and did things they enjoyed and it, it led them to the career they're in now. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm something I'm focusing on actually over the next few years is, and hopefully indefinitely is uh, developing some school workshops and trying to talk about that kind of concept of, you know, you don't ever get taught in your careers fairs at school. Yeah. You could go and be a YouTuber or you could be a, uh, I'm, I'm not a YouTuber, obviously, but you, can, you, you don't get Olympic skier on that list. You also don't get endurance athlete on that list. You get mm. vet, doctor, uh, insurance broker. You get, you get very standard boxes. And I, I hope to try and broaden that horizon. And the fact that if you just follow your passion, then the career will come. And if, if I could have any message to my younger self, it would be forget about money and just kind of, remember what, what what the important values are in the day-to-day because -day. I, I completely lost those in my I suppose in my early 20s yeah it's, that's again that's exactly what everyone else has said you know I think we sometimes forget when we're young right I'm going to get a job that's going to pay me x amount of money but in reality it doesn't really work like that you know you have to give up a lot to go and sit yeah. in an office and earn you know x amount which is is good while you're you're young but you soon get disillusioned with it yeah, exactly. And not only dis disillusioned, but you can also, you're, you're still pretty malleable in terms of your mind and your personality. And that 
sometimes and friends I've seen, they kind of just go off on a path that, uh, you know, the career has has made their life as opposed to them, they're, they're you know, using their career to make their life, if that makes sense. It was, uh, uh, yeah, a chicken or egg thing. It was funny, uh, a really good message from Elon Musk recently I saw in a in an article, which was something along the lines of, I'm going to get it wrong now, but um, rather than setting yourself goals of, uh things like fast cars and earning money and having houses if you just set yourself one goal which is always just to define who you want to be and who you want to be known for and what you want to achieve um if you can find if you can define that one thing um you know he's known for taking people to space and to mm. going beyond and so if you just set yourself on that and everything else will kind of fall into place and i wish i had that message when i was younger Mm. Um, and I also wish I knew what, how to how to do something with that advice because um, I don't mm. think I would have would have known it. But um, yeah, there's all sorts of things there. But certainly following your following your heart and trying to put the stresses of earning earning money to go down the normal career paths of mortgage, partner, dog, car, telly, <laughs> retirement, death. I would try. You know, the alternative path, in my opinion, is much more lively. <laughs> Definitely. How was that for you, though? Because obviously being in finance, then at some point you had to probably make the decision of I'm going to do this full time. How was that that plunge for you? Good question. Um, I think to answer that question, honestly, I think I knew that I had to ha- I had to make that happen eventually. But I think a big part of me was it's almost like going and dipping your toes into a t- freezing cold swimming pool. It was once I'm in, I'm in and it's going to be great. And I'm going to be I'm going to be enjoying it, and it's going to be much better and lighter, and all of the kind of the metaphors of being in water. But it's obviously you get cold, and it's not very pleasant at first, and you then have doubts. Um, but it took me to me, I'd say, three or four years of wanting to, and then not because of the the benefits and also the ease. I think that's the most of the time where people don't change their career or or follow their dreams enough is because of well, I've got it good. Why should I upset the the car? Um, and unfortunately that is a a big, big drawback to having, you know, relative success, if you like, it's, it's having blockers of the future. Um, and at some point, all of the greats that have, whether it's a matter of how many zeros you've got in your bank or how many smiles you have, you know, wrinkle, wrinkle, smile lines on your face, you've had to have that decision of, do I double down and go after what I want or do I take the easy route? Um, and I think society at the moment is pushing us very much into the realm of well try and think of your pension try and think of you know being a bit more sensible and for loads of reasons that's the right you know that's the right way to go but a few big reasons in my mind the the biggest reasons it's about you know what you want to what you want to be known for by the time you get to your deathbed do you want to just have earned a load of money and taken these kids to private school or do you want to actually experience stuff and give them something that, that money can't buy so there's there's that in the back of my mind as well 100 percent. i've sort of a very similar feeling to you i i was in the city for like five years after school um yeah. as an insurance broker and i just always although it was good i just always felt that oh god what am i actually doing like you know i'm just going yeah. to work like you said i'm going to get a mortgage and then have kids and it's i kind of want to do something do you know what i mean yeah, I know perfectly what you mean. Yeah. What am I actually doing? I'm, I sometimes, I mean, frequently, I suppose, and increasingly so as the years went by, I just pictured the, the multiple screens that I was looking at just all being black. <laughs> and I was looking at it going, because that's the equivalent of what I was actually doing. You know, it doesn't really matter to the world. 
and now we've got these non-profits that we're doing really cool stuff that matters and we're and I feel like I can go to bed at night going yeah well I might not be earning much money I might not be um yeah, really pushing forward as much as I want to push forward but every little step is so much greater than my just just me you know mm. the sum of the sum of everybody around me is 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 making what why I want reality I think it's also important to say that you know everyone has different values so some people will actually go in and do a job because they like the monetary reward and that's fine but yeah you know i think what we're also saying is if you do pursue something you really have a passion for 99 percent of the time the money will follow you know maybe <laughs> yeah. it will take years but eventually you'll get to a point where you've created value yeah absolutely right yeah couldn't have said it better myself it's the it's the following the following your gut it's like that i can't think of the the film now i think it's indiana jones where he has to step out onto a ledge that doesn't exist yeah yes uh, it is yeah leap yeah. of faith and it's like that it's like well really i'm going to follow my dreams and do what i love and have fun and be a skier and live in a van and then run around the world and money's going to come from that really um <laughs> and and it's like it's bonkers um but it's right in anything you, you you're passionate about i've got some great friends who are aspiring musicians and some artists and they're all earning a, a an okay wage they're not breaking records with earning but i tell you what they are the most happy and fulfilled mm. and emotionally aware people um because they're just they're experiencing the world in a way in which in my opinion like 99 percent of the world doesn't um mm. and there's the i suppose i'm going off on a tangent i guess but the, the extra side of it having seen so much of the world is that we have the privilege to be able to make that choice. We, yes. we are not born into a world where we only have the opportunity to walk or run many, many miles to fetch water or like I experienced in Madagascar, kids making bricks and carrying 20 or 30 bricks on their back just to make a couple of pence that day. So they may be able to buy a small amount of food to support their huge family. Mm. Um, where in which, in many parts of the world, you know, you, you most of your siblings don't make their fifth birthday. Mm. And you've got millions, you've got two million under five-year-olds around the world that are starving to death because they can't have enough food. And we have the opportunity to pretty much just go, well, hmm, I think I'm going to go and be a poet or I'm going to go and, and just so much of the population of the globe do not have that chance and so i feel like we have a responsibility if given the opportunity we take it it's like the, the privilege of being able to vote i feel like if we have that chance then you have to you have to fulfill that definitely um, so i think as, as well with the the rise of social media and the internet and i think what maybe parents and grandparents probably don't understand is that it's so much easier for us to monetize things we do true very very true there's a whole there's a rise of I, I guess in a couple of hundred years time this evolution this revolution that we're in now is going to be called something it's not the industrial revolution is it the rise of maybe there is a word you correct me if i'm wrong but there's going to be a word attached to this this phase of uh the internet i guess um that that is opening up you know i think about what i really need from a day to day um and actually i don't really need a lot but if I want to make some money and be able to achieve everything, I just need a laptop and internet connection. And that, that's pretty much what we're doing right now. Um, and it's what the, the whole world can do if given the right opportunities. So you're right. We, we are in a, in a world where people are making a lot of money on platforms online that I've never heard of. Um, and I don't <laughs> quite know how 
schools and career fairs and career advisors who are naturally going to all be older than the students can tap into that in a way which is is up to date um, that, that, that's what we're trying to do because it's just so outdated the whole system is outdated yeah. it's so outdated there's a brilliant book you've probably probably read it um oh gosh i can't remember the name of it now that's embarrassing um, <laughs> That's not a very good story if you can't remember the name. <laughs> a book, um, I can't remember the name now. Um, and it's about the, oh, it's called Factfulness. If you haven't read it, um, it's a brilliant book, very detailed, um, built by, uh, put together by uh, a father and daughter combo who um, travel the world educating politicians on the real state of the world. So stats, for example, you know, I just said there's two million under five-year-olds starving because they don't have enough food mm. what they do is they go around to politicians all over the world and give them the real real figures and it's actually a really uplifting book about how mankind is now in the best possible place it's been by a long long way exponential um than it's ever been and we 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 still moan about all the bad stuff that's happening and i was reading it thinking well we still have a lot we can do mm. and it's, it's a really good book to make you think about how lucky we are and what we've got and also in a way in which it, it doesn't ignore the fact that there's still so much more needs to be done. Yeah, certainly. With your running, I'm so fascinated about your world record of running a marathon in every uh, country. And you did it in just under two years, I think it was. Yeah. How did you prepare, go into that, your mentality through that experience? It's it's a great achievement. Hmm. Yeah, I'm proud of it. Uh, I'm proud of it because the again, even though we've got the book and the documentaries coming out as well later this year, even though all those things will exist and people will see some of the behind the scenes, is that I'm most proud because there were so many obstacles to overcome just to get to the start line, let alone get to the finish line, and countless stresses and strains, and it was all just built out of a desire to to do what I love: travel, meet people, take photos, run. Um, and obviously raise some money for charity in the process. But in, to answer your question about preparation, <laughs> the honest answer is my preparation running-wise was appalling because I got so <laughs> bogged down with the logistics and the, have we got have we got everything on plan? How many passports am I going to need? Where are the visas going to be going wrong? Have I, do I need safety equipment? Is my sat phone working? Have we got a spare battery for it? What if a, a flight gets cancelled? And this is just multiplied up by 196 countries over two years with people all over the world helping me. And I, I get to the start line and I realise starting my watch on day one in Toronto, which was my, my first marathon in Canada, um, on the 6th of January 2018. And I realised that I hadn't actually run more than a half marathon for about four months. And I was about to do 200 of them. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, 200 marathons. And I just thought, I'm a bit of a fool, really. What have I done? <laughs> and I, I, you know, it was minus 25 degrees. I was oh. absolutely freezing. I was completely physically underprepared. But luckily, I had already had over 450 marathons in my, under my belt. And so I knew that I could do the distance. I just hadn't done it recently. So that was a, it was a bit of a shock to myself, to be honest. I didn't even realize it until I actually started running. Because that's one of, the, one of the interesting things I'm interested about is, is how you dealt with the environments. Like you said, you started off in Canada at minus 25. And then there's pictures of you going through a desert. And that, I, I don't know the time difference between that. But did, did the environments you were running in actually have much of an effect on you? Yeah, they did. Um, not just the heat or the cold, uh, but, but also the altitude. 
also the you know for example mentioned um and just by chance was i talking about uh, uh madagascar um madagascar was one of the most polluted places i went to not because of natural pollution but because of the brick dust that they were all making in in uh, the, the village i was running around and so little things like going from one country to another and experiencing beautiful clean beaches to run along to then being up in built up cities in hong kong or in japan and then go from you know i did one journey from south america where i ran in uh where was it i ran i left peru to go to north korea and then came back to ecuador within five days wow um and that was obviously ecuador being rather high and also on the equator um and and then north korea which was snowing you know there was it was literally in the space of a few days um so how did i cope with that i suppose the, the answer was badly and i i i i just got by with you know equator literally the equator country um to then go to north korea um with the different altitudes the different climates the different different dust in the air there was so many areas like that but I'd, I'd certainly felt that it was the best way to do it go from extreme temperatures because it meant that I was I kind of kept on my toes it was also quite good for for the journey and for the experience but I did have a couple of months in the middle of Africa I would say about four months where I was just in hot climate and I, all I wanted was it to rain, <laughs> just wanted it to rain. And as soon as I got to somewhere rainy, classic British, you just don't want it to rain anymore <laughs> within, <laughs> within minutes of it raining. Um, and so the, the climates did catch me out and, you know, thunderstorms and flooding. And we had, we had plus 60 degrees in, uh, or plus 59 to be precise, in Q8. Um, plus 59? See, yeah. That Very is mad. Hot. <laughs> Jesus. And very, yeah, very, very, very horrible to run in. And good story about that, actually. I had um, uh, a Harley Davidson biker gang wanted to support me. Um, I don't know how they got hold of what I was doing. <laughs> we were advertising it on social media. I think the embassy had something to do with it. They were really supportive there. It was being hosted by the the ambassador and his wife. Um, oh, wow. And, uh, and they said, yeah, well, we've got the Harley Davidson guys. They want to come out and support you. And what with it being 60 degrees, I wasn't expecting them to turn up in leathers, which they did. And, and then I think they said goodbye to me after about three miles because their bikes all conked out. And uh, <laughs> I was obviously running at running pace and their bikes are obviously not meant for running pace. So they were, they were brilliant people, but it was quite funny to, 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 uh, to outrun a, a Harley. Seriously hot. Yeah. Um, so how would you actually describe your job if you could you know what what do you actually do what's an average day for you hmm. that's a good question um what is an average day an average day so my life goes in cycles cycle one is the planning stage of a trip um, and it's not always as linear and as neat as this but most of the time it's you spend a period of time planning so for running the world that was a two-year period of just head down in laptops meetings going into London, going overseas to, to meet with PR agencies, to meet with sponsors, to meet with friends, networks, embassy staff, just try and widen that network in order to make the project happen. Uh, and then you go into stage two, which is obviously doing the trip itself, um, which is fairly self-explanatory. And then into stage three, which is the return on the investment that you've paid to do the trip. Um, and also the return on the investment for the sponsors. 
And so that's everything from book, documentary, uh, speaking, which are all things I happen to enjoy doing, which is, again, the whole point of doing a career that you enjoy. Um, and then you, you then repeat the process. And sometimes there's overlaps with other projects. For example, something we're planning in 2023, which is relatively under wraps. Um, we were planning even halfway through running the world. We, were, we had people planning that journey. Um, and that was back in 2019. So that was five years before, four, sorry, four years before we were, we were due to start. Um, and that's because there's so much that has to be done. So I suppose the, the answer to your question is that we do things in cycles on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, today, obviously I've done a few, few podcasts. Um, we spend, I spend, I think about 60% of my time working on the admin of projects which i happen to enjoy as well so that's everything from funding to working with brands to making sure you know i've got a trip coming up in new zealand where i'm running north to south of new zealand and so that's speaking with somebody for example brilliant person we work with called sarah who's going to be coming coming along to do photography with us so i'll speak to her and and say are we set up for the for the right terrain and we do we know where we're going kind of filling her in on all the information understanding the filming days and then I'll have a, a chat with my manager and I'll talk to talk to her about what else we've got going on and what other projects we've got going on. Uh, and I guess I love that bit of bit of it. But then naturally, there's the, the elephant in the room is when am I running? Uh, and it's pretty much any free time I have. Um, this month is a bit of an exception because I've just come back from running in Italy where I did 100 marathons in 100 days. So I've been putting my feet up for a bit. Um, but most of the time I get out and do some decent mileage every day in order to keep my legs ticking over um, and to try not to fall back into that trap of what happened in Toronto, realising I hadn't done much running. So, yeah, that's that's roughly the the gist. Did that answer your question? Sure yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, for how many people are actually involved in um, setting up something like this? And also, what is something that you probably never expected to have to organise for all this to happen? Is there anything weird that you have to organise and you never expected? That's a good question. Um, yeah, well, I suppose I suppose it's just little things like um, setting up like admin passwords on domain names and stuff for websites that because it's, it's kind of my brand and me that's at the face of it. There's so many people in the background that need access to stuff and be able to manage things for me. Um, and I wasn't expecting to have to write a, a content schedule for social media because that's not that's not why I came in. You know, before running, I just looked at social media and thought, well, that's a waste of time. Uh, and now it's my career. You know, without it, we wouldn't be able to have the brands on board in order to be able to pay for what we're doing. We wouldn't be able to share the stories. And there'd be absolutely no point in me running around the world because we wouldn't have been able to share the story to raise the mon money for the charity. So it's just all interconnected. Um just thinking of other weird things that I've been you've been doing, but most of it is is fairly normal, I suppose. Not that weird. It's just not what I envisaged when I thought oh, I'm going to be a runner. You know, you think you're going to go to a, a track and train, or and that's not that's not me at all. That's not what I do. I, I never run on a track, and I just go out and, and run my miles and and come back and do some writing for my, for a book and and juggling of that. You know, speaking to publishers, um, having to go over soon to Australia to speak with the lawyers for the documentary. Um, and all of that, which is really exciting and sounds really cool, but it is is labour intensive as well. Um, yeah. So, how how does um, well, I guess what 
personality traits do you see in yourself uh, and and other maybe people that do a similar thing to you that think really help you really help to thrive um well i think the honest answer to that is being a bit selfish and being a bit stubborn um you can't i can't get away from the fact that i think most people in the endurance world and maybe i'm speaking only for myself but i doubt it you do have to have an element of selfishness about what you're doing when you're in the moment when you're you know when i ran through italy north to south of italy which was just before christmas running 100 marathons in 100 days that was entirely selfish you know my girlfriend and i and our puppy living in a van wanting to see beautiful bits of italy while we could actually turned into me running in a lot of rain having to dry my clothes out having to have food ordered for me um it was it was a very selfish endeavor really looking back and i didn't fully realize that mm. um and you do have to have that at the forefront otherwise you're not going to get you're not going to get there which i think some people see selfishness as a really negative trait and i think in the wrong realm wrong kind of sector that's the case mm. but without it you're not going to you're not going to be able to get your head down and and crack on when when the going gets tough so there's an element of that but i'm certainly having to learn to to be a little bit more flexible and i, I wrote a few things recently about trying to find some balance in that um obviously the usual terminology of, about um resilience and coming up against those barriers and pushing forwards uh, but I think a lot of my career because it's not just I'm not a I'm not a track runner I'm not like an Olympic track runner it's not the same realm it's because we're doing adventures I'm having to split my time between planning and, and trying to lead people I suppose mm. and I'm not particularly very good at that and, and I have to have people involved to to keep me on the case with stuff and I have a brilliant system with with my manager where where she gives me work um, to make sure that I'm on the case because that's not what I signed up for. I know I don't want to just manage a big group of people. Um, mm. I want to. I want to enjoy my. I want to enjoy my my life of running. So, for anyone listening to this and thinking, oh, I'm you know I'm going to start pursuing something similar to this. Um, a big part of this, whether it be adventure or running or, or extreme sports, is the sponsorship and the working with brands. Can you mm. tell us a little about how that actually works? Um, yeah, it's in an, in an ideal world. I think most people have an opinion of sponsorship as you write a letter to somebody, you have a meeting, they give you a hundred thousand pounds, and you go off and have a break. <laughs> um, exactly. Uh, it doesn't happen like that. You send tens of thousands of emails and have tens of thousands of conversations. And I'm not really, I'm exaggerating, but not by much. Um, mm. And if you're very lucky they'll come back and say no, otherwise they'll just ignore you. And if you're very, very lucky, they'll come back and say maybe. <laughs> and if you're very, very, very lucky, then they might give you some socks. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's difficult and it is, it is challenging. When we were you know, trying to find funding for, for the running the world trip, I firmly believe that we would have a hotel chain on board, that we'd have an airline on board, that we would have some big body that, you know, we'd never been done, global, brilliant exposure. I didn't have a name for myself really then. And so why would they? But also, why not? You know, COVID wasn't a thing. And mm. uh, and actually, we ended up having some brilliant conversations with some brilliant people and, and some brilliant companies. But the answer was nine, not, well, not even nine times out of 10, 9.9 .9 out of 10 was no, because 
there was all sorts of reasons that I hadn't thought of. For example, I was speaking to to the people at Virgin um, and Richard Branson about potentially sponsoring, and and they were really keen and excited. And and their and, and Richard's son Sam, we spoke to conversations about getting involved in his his film company. And there was just lots of excitement. And then there was a, a realization that actually what I was doing might be dangerous. And would they want to fund me getting my head chopped off in a war zone? No, and that was, that was a real conversation. Mm. That was a, there's other areas to consider. So and I hadn't even thought about that. I hadn't even looked at it from the other side. So I'm learning very much. And I think everybody in this industry is always kind of adapting to it, but there's always reasons why not to do stuff as well. Um, and so, Fortunately now, I've got a little bit of a name for myself. I've done something, we've got a book and some brands are being able to help, but there is still the, the worry there of being able to pay me to, to promote them in a way that's gonna be uh, worth it for them. It's gonna actually make, the, make, you know, make financial sense and I completely understand that. Um, and also the money that I get paid is, is so tiny that it barely covers the people that are, uh, are, are, are working for me. Um, and if I don't have those people working for me, then we can't we can't ex- can't expand on that. So it's kind of odd because obviously you've now got a name for yourself, um, which I'd assume these companies are slightly more inclined to come towards you. But you've also probably done something that you know it can't be topped almost. So it's mm-hmm. kind of uh, I, I, I don't know. Do, do you feel like it? They've sort of missed the boat. A mm. feud. If you, mm, I, I suppose the answer is yes and a no to that. I think well, I'm, I think I'm falling down on the no. I don't think they've missed the boat because what we're doing next, which I can't really reveal all, all the details, but it's going to be substantially bigger than what I've just done. Wow! And it's going to be probably the biggest thing that I will ever do in endurance because you can't physically go anymore. Um, oh my god tell us what is it <laughs> no i can't tell i'm sworn uh, talking about sponsors i'm sworn to secrecy by sponsors. um but it, it is i'm incredibly scared of it which i think is a good sign that it's going to be um and a lot of people don't think it's possible um including me <laughs> but it's oh. something that i wouldn't be planning it if i didn't if i didn't think there was a slight chance um and so there's always ways to push the push the boundaries and do mm. things differently. and also sponsors don't necessarily come on board because they want to be a part of um uh, some sponsors want to come on board to be a part of pushing their own name and it's a great opportunity some people come on board because they just want to be a part of the journey and be you know have their name alongside the the mission um and some brands come on board because they like me um and if we can find somebody that kind of ticks all those boxes then maybe we'll get somewhere but honestly the talking about sponsorship and funding it's something that we spend so much of our time focusing on and is incredibly difficult to do well because i don't want people to give me money if we're then not giving them their returns because that's a not very not very nice but also b not very sensible in the long term it's just mm. not it's not sustainable um and so we're we're learning to adapt our model but it's a it's a process that works it's it's you know this career there's a lot really great mentors um in the industry that have kind of tried and tested this approach you know 10 years before i was born and they <laughs> they know they know the system and how it works and um it, it does frustrate me a little bit that I, I think the outside world and again being completely honest just look at it as a oh yeah well he's just sponsored a load of money to go and do that um, and I can assure you that that's not the case. You know, we spent nearly a million quid of our own money doing running the world. Wow. Um, 
and and that's money that is going to come back trickle in over the rest of my life it's not just a <laughs> we'll sell a couple of books and all mm. oh, the books are, books are selling for 15 quid oh you only have to sell this many books to get that money back no we only get, <laughs> we only get a quid for a book <laughs> you know and so um it's you know it's not as straightforward and as obvious as i think a lot of people see it um but i'm, I'm okay with that because it's ultimately i'm still following what i'm following my dreams i'm doing what i love so i don't really care how hard it is i also i'm quite addicted to the addicted in the best possible way of working hard and mm. if i just had the money on a plate i don't think it would feel the same and i guess for you what's been the biggest positive um of, of taking the leap and, and doing this um the obvious one that springs to mind is freedom but i don't think freedom is the, the best i think the best is the people i have around me my network and my contacts and I look at people, they go, oh, have you got many friends in the running world? Have you got many? And I'm, everybody I can think of is connected with what I'm doing in some way, whether they run a mile or not. It's people from you know, the, the presidents I've met and run with around the world. It's the, the brilliant Paralympians I ran with and experienced fantastically magical and moving conversations with. Um, and everything I do just ends up with feeling incredibly grateful that I've met these people and had a conversation with them and you guys included because it's all in the same realm of I'd much rather be talking to you about this stuff than I would be filling in some spreadsheet at two o'clock in the morning stressed out my mind about something you know yeah um, absolutely and and so there's it, you can you have to kind of catch yourself and go oh yeah well I'm sitting behind my computer for five hours today and I'm chatting to a few people on phone calls and you go well yeah that's good <laughs> The alternative is that I'm not doing that and I'm not sat in I'm not sat in the Alps and I can go and do whatever I need to do and train in this beautiful place. I could be locked down in the UK in a normal job, furloughed, and if I hadn't made that that jump. And so I think the the amount of people I've got around me that um I what's the word? I don't just admire them. I'm so grateful that they have been able to support you know i've got friends classic example i met a brilliant guy called nick uh in guatemala um british guy running a, a marathon series out there called impact marathon series really brilliant bloke came around with me we ran around a beautiful erupting volcano in, in antigua stayed in contact he ran with me a few more times in all the different continents on my journey I then had a conversation with him a couple of weeks ago and he's coming on board as a trustee for one of my non-profits and we're able to work together again. Oh, Multiply wow. that up with all of the countries in the world in all the different realms of sponsorship of there's so many different areas of the business and then you just realise there's these brilliant people connected to it just willing to willing to do the right thing. So mm. it's, it's just made my view of humanity just... It's uh, humbling almost when you hear stories like that. Very, yeah. On on the flip side of that though, what would be some of the less favourable aspects you've you've un, um, about this industry? Um, hmm. I'm sorry, I've just put a massive piece of pastry in my mouth. Um, <laughs> um, the hmm. I think you get with with endurance running, you you sometimes get because there's been some people in the past that have cheated uh, and tried to take on records, and it's been a little bit too much. I'm not mentioning any names because I feel quite sorry for them actually that they've kind of ruined their careers by cheating. Um, and I, everything I do, especially you know, running the world as an example and anything I'm doing in the future, you have to make sure you are doing so perfectly. And you know, I wear two watches when I go out and, and do all this stuff. 
not just because Guinness World Records need that accreditation, but just so I can prove that I've definitely done it. And I'm not that kind of person. I don't want to, you know, I'm not doing it to put it on Strava and go, I did that. I'm doing it because I enjoy it and I don't want to have to keep proving to everybody that I actually did it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think that's a little bit of a downside. But but then I suppose that keeps us everybody honest and we know that maybe the whole industry is experiencing the same thing. Um, uh, so it's a very minor point, I think. You know, you don't. Ninety-nine percent of people in the running community are absolutely amazing and incredibly supportive. Um, and it's, it, again, you, you're around people that are doing the same stuff as you, and I never get the feeling of having competition with them. You know, I've, I'll call people. Even this last week, I've called people and I've said, oh, "I'm thinking about doing this trip. Do you think it's all right?" And on one hand, you could think, "Oh, I don't want them to steal my idea," and on the other hand, you think, "No, no, no." they're just great people and they want to help and nine times out of ten that's the experience I've had so I know your question was about the downsides but I honestly don't see the downsides really and I think that's a good sign <laughs> a good sign of, of of why I'm doing it I don't mind working a bit to, behind the scenes I don't mind not really having much money I don't really mind any of it, it, it it's just an absolute dream you're just doing what you love, which is I do, perfect. I, do what I love, I know I can't ask for more than that. <laughs> we usually ask people how they sort of progress in their careers, but this is a it's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? Because how well, I guess you can answer. It. How do you progress what you're doing? Obviously, you've you've done the the challenge around the world, and you just talked about doing this bigger challenge you've got set up. So, is, mm. is that how you do it? You go from bigger challenge to bigger challenge, or how does it work? Um. No, I don't. I'd see it the same as a, a hierarchy in a business, I suppose. You can either keep going up and up and do bigger and better. And um, and in some aspects, like this big thing we've got going on, I, I definitely want to tick that box for, for me. Because um, it's something I wanted to do. I wish I could talk about it because it's quite annoying not being able to talk about it. <laughs> um, uh, and then the... Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that you can go sideways so for example this year i'm i'm doing new zealand uh, i'm going north to south of new zealand i'm running north to south of malawi i'm circumnavigating iceland and i'm circumnavigating bali oh, only, only, a, only a few things then on the list exactly only a few things <laughs> um yeah just a little jog in a couple of countries um <laughs> And these are all things that I've had on my list for a long time and they're beautiful countries and they're all going to be done slightly differently. Some of them like solo things with buggies. Some of them are going to be with like Malawi with really great communities and lots of outreach and community work and nonprofit stuff. And they're all kind of different realms. And so I'm now uh, looking at my career very much as not my career. And it's very difficult to talk about it like that because it's just my life and I'm going about it in a way in which I'm ticking off the boxes that I want to do. It's like having a, you know, you sit down as a kid and I wrote this in the book, actually sit down as a kid writing all the things that you would really love to do in your life. And then I'm just going off and ticking them all. <laughs> so it's quite nice. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to go and be bigger and better or, to try and progress my career. I'm just going, I think I want to go and run north to south of New Zealand. I'm going to do that. <laughs> and then, and that's, and then fortunately we can get some brilliant people to come and take photos. We can put it on social media. Maybe we'll get enough money to give you know, to pay some of the photographers or to pay some of the team back home. Um, and there's been some conversations in the past where some of the team are working with me and I said, look, I, I feel like you're doing so much for me and I, I can't afford to pay you anything. Um, 
and they're like that's fine that's fine i'm just doing it because it's really cool and i've got some great volunteers that have just come on board as well for uh for some of our non-profits and i feel i feel terrible not being able to give them some cash and actually it doesn't matter it doesn't matter because they're they're just doing the same as me they're going out and ticking the boxes that they want in their life so um yeah what I more could you ask for i guess as you, when you grow up and you start thinking about you know what you want to do with your life and you loved running from a very young age and now it is what you do amazing I know. it's yeah it's it's a bit mad really i do i do kind of think of that sometimes of you know, my brother is, is my brother's a, a really great example of somebody who works very hard now. He's, he works as a nurse um, in a &E and it, you know, I feel I'm sitting here having done a little bit of a run, and I built an igloo the other day, and um, <laughs> go for a, you know, go for a little bit of a trot with the, the dog, and throw some snowballs at her, and then come back and plan some of the trip, and do a bit of training. And don't get me wrong, some of the training is hard, but not really as hard as being on the front line in the hospital you know mm, <laughs> um, and so I look at it like that and I, I really can't complain um yeah it's 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 life it's trying to make trying to make whatever I want out of it I suppose and doing it doing so in a in a balanced way and in the future mm. with you know talking about life and family and plans for the future and all that sort of stuff which I think anybody does I'm just fortunate that I'm not I'm not stuck to the conformities of a, a normal nine-to-five anymore mm so the book when's it out and, and what's it all about so book running the world um was launched on the 11th of november so it's been out for a few months and is rocketed up the the amazon bestseller list which i'm very pleased with awesome um, and it's done pretty well um and people are, are saying nice things about it so um i'm happy with it it's a chunky book a bloody chunky book um obviously trying to con consolidate two years of my life into a book um with countless stories the editors at, at penguin had a bit of a <laughs> um but no good terms on that and we're talking about doing some more books in the future um so yeah anybody can can get out and have a look at that it's more about a lot of people i think expected it to be a running book but it's not really a running book because it's more about the journey of traveling and experiencing the world um through my eyes and starting to develop some of my philosophies around how i how, how i am in it you know i had a couple of many crises of conscience during the trip of you know visiting some cancer rehabilitation centers and some um uh, and some children's hospitals for example in sierra leone wow. and i i had some moments of am i just am i just being an idiot running around the world and having a great time and i'm raising money for charity but should i just stop and give all this money to this children's hospital you know mm. and actually looking back the answer is no because i wouldn't then be talking to you i wouldn't then be able to share my story in schools and inspire other people I wouldn't be able to carry on and, and do do other stuff that helps other people. Um, so I'm very much now just about trying to do what I love and do some good in the process. That's kind of my my motto. And you, you mentioned mentioned a documentary as well, right? Yeah, documentary. Um, that's all on uh, all on standby at the moment because we're having some extended, protracted conversations with some of the streamers because they're hopefully going to be uh, accepting or kind of wanting the business let's put it that way mm. so um we are waiting for that but it will come out it's supposed to be actually coming out in february and now it's obviously been pushed back um probably till towards the end of the year now awesome and uh just before we wrap up i think i know the answer to this but would you still go into this industry knowing everything you know now nah it's rubbish <laughs> <laughs> i love it obviously yes definitely this industry is weird and wonderful and unstable and 
I think there's there's beauty in that instability. I always was scared about you know having a, a non nine to five and not having the salary and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I just I just wish everybody could 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 kind of have the courage to go and do that because uh, I'm I'm that's what I'm most proud of really just being able to leave a, a sensible job and have this life. So the answer is yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Nick. We we both thoroughly enjoyed it, and um, it's been very inspiring. No, thank you very much. It's been uh, been a pleasure to chat, and we'll catch up soon once I've done a, a few more little jogs. Thank you. Um, where can people find you uh, on Instagram and anywhere else uh, to see what you're up to? And also, best of luck with uh, your future adventures. Thank you very much. Yeah, anybody can um, say hello to me on Instagram. It's Nick Butter Run. Nick Butter Run. Uh, on my website, which is very easy, nickbutter.com. Um, email address is on there. So you can drop me an email if you're either training for a marathon or want to get into running or want me to come and speak at a school or business. Um, or if you want to, yeah, yeah, just basically come and do a few, uh, do a few shared footsteps with me somewhere, then um, more, more the merrier.